And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Sunday, May 22nd. Now, if you haven't listened to yesterday's show, you got to start there because we are in a two-parter with Kathy Jones, Managing Director, Chief Fixed Income Strategist for the Schwab Center for Financial Research. I have now dubbed her the Belle of the Bond Ball because she is the consummate professional that you want to hear from to discuss what's going on in the bond market. So yesterday, we talked about why you shouldn't be bailing on your bond positions. We discussed economic cycles. We even touched on recessions. In this part of our interview, we are discussing the resiliency of the U.S. economy. We get to touch on I-bonds, and we also learn what's keeping Kathy up at night. Here is part two of our interview with Kathy Jones. When you think about, you know, what this economy has been through in the last two years, is it fair to characterize it as saying like, wow, actually this economy was incredibly resilient? Like in some ways, I think... We are where we are today because of how quickly government was a- and the Fed was able to respond. And maybe they did too much, but I'm not sure I would have wanted it to be that everyone suffered together and we actually were in a deeper recession in the COVID recession. Is that a, a fair way to characterize it, that we're almost a victim of the, the short recession and how quickly money moved into the system? Yeah, I think that is a fair characterization. We had... You know, a, amazingly strong fiscal response. Uh, we had amazingly strong monetary response. And given that pandemic was not really in the playbook for most uh, economists, it was very doubtful uh, about how quickly we could recover uh, because we didn't know how quickly we'd recover from the healthcare crisis. And, and yet we did recover and we recovered very uh, strongly, very fast. And that, I think, is what's taken us by surprise. You know, we've got inflation because supply and demand are out of balance. So demand has bounced back because we had such a big response that boosted the economy before the supply was able to come online. And that's where we are now to kind of rebalance that. 
okay, what keeps you up at night, Kathy? What are the things that you worry about? Not that you're a big worrier, but what 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 are you what are you concerned about today? This will probably surprise you coming from a bond analyst. I worry about cybersecurity. I think that that's a place that, um, you know, we've put a, a lot of emphasis in in the government and in industry on it. But I do worry that there are, um, there, there are vulnerabilities there that we're not all sort of prepared to deal with. Um, and I think the other thing is I worry, um, you know, I have I have young adult children I want them to know that, you know, I want them to understand that it is possible to uh, go through these sort of very difficult time periods. I think there's there seems to be a lot of doubt and a lot of fear out there. All of us who've been around a while have been through a lot of these different events. And I worry that they're not as optimistic as they need to be. That's so funny because Mark and I always joke. I said, you know, when markets roll over, it's when I'm usually in the best mood. Because um, you're right, though. It's true. Like you go through these periods. You know, I started trading. I graduated from college in 1987. I was a gold, silver and copper options trader in the summer of 1987. Metals were roaring ahead. And then we had the crash of 1987. And, you know, that was like my first taste of, wow, wow, this is scary. And then you realize if you can just sort of endure it it's not as scary the next time and the next time and the next time. And so I agree, like I was pretty scared during COVID, which was a health crisis. I wasn't so scared about the financial markets or even the economy because you you sort of have the sense that things will come back. I'm also wondering now, as you look at the investment horizon, there's just countless amounts of analysis from some people who probably should know better. There's This is going to be a lost decade in the decade ahead. Can anyone really predict investment returns in the decade ahead, Kathy? No, obviously not. I mean, if we could, um, life would be perfect for everybody, right? Uh, yeah. We do our best and forecasting is what it is. You know, you, you give it your best shot and you try to be fact-based and not what I call faith-based, um, mm. you know, put your money on um, the, the kind of factual information that you can derive, but we're human beings, right? And um, we drive the markets with our emotions and with our reactions and things like that. And that's almost impossible to predict. Do you think that leading into, say, let's just, let's wind the clock back to 2021. We came off this three-year period for financial markets, stock and bond markets that were pretty sizzling. If that were the case, if you looked at the the previous three years, was it easy, hard, medium difficulty to, to predict that there would be some sort of slide back? You know, I, I think uh, those of us who've been around a while were expecting it, right? Mm-hmm. You, you get these outsized returns over short time periods and then a reversion to the mean. As soon as we started hearing the Fed talk about the need to tighten policy, it was pretty clear that things were going to change and that what's going to change is, you know, the most vulnerable things, um, the, the priciest things, the most speculative things. Those are the things that usually fare the worst when real interest rates are moving up and cash has some, you know, uh, payoff. So it wasn't that hard to see. It's always hard to time it, right? Mm-hmm. You know it's coming. You just don't know when. 
Right. And it's like, it's also good to know that like, we also know a recession is coming. We don't know when it could happen now. It could not happen now. When we're having conversations with people and what we consistently say is you can't time the market, but you can be smart about, you know, trimming your sales. You can be smart about saying, hey, it's the end of the year. Did you actually take some money off the table? Did you reallocate? Are you diversified? Does that make sense? I'm still completely overwhelmed by the number of people who have still have a ton of individual holdings in the companies where they work. And that always makes me nervous. I never get really that nervous when people are like, I have too much in the bond market. I only get nervous when it's I've got too much in the junk bond market. So I feel pretty comfortable giving people the advice is stick to your diversified portfolio. Is that still the Schwab way? Yeah, absolutely. You know, time and again, um, we see this. It's easy to get caught up in the enthusiasm when things are going up and up and up. And there's always sort of a narrative around it, like this is some sort of new innovation or new thing that's happening and you have to get in on it and the sky's the limit. And then, you know, like it changes, right? Nothing, trees don't grow to the sky. And so um, the best defense against that is having a diversified portfolio that you rebalance. And that's the hard thing to do, right? When something's going up and up, you really want to hold on to it. But the right thing to do is periodically trim that and invest it in something that's not doing well. And that way you are prepared to ride out the ups and downs. And you really, really do reduce the volatility you experience. And you take yourself out of that risk of needing your money when the market is down and having to lock in your loss. You know, I keep saying to people, one of the best ways to battle inflation and to battle investments turning a little bit sour for a time being is to keep working. So what do you see in the the um, workforce? Do you see um, maybe some of the people who left during COVID who are maybe over the age of 50? Do you think they'll be coming back into the workforce just because they feel like, uh-oh, I may have retired too soon? Well, actually, we're starting to see some of that. Um, you know, the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks the employment numbers, and they track the number of people retiring, and then they track um, what they call unretirements, people who return after retirement. And Mm -hmm. it's starting to turn up. And that isn't too surprising, I think, uh, a number of factors. Probably people retired during COVID because of all the the changes that were taking place. Um, And there is a demographic, the aging of the population, you see steady retirements. But um, a lot of people have come back in and I think will come back in, partly because there is more flexibility in terms of work-life balance now. You know, if you want to work from home and you have the capacity to do that, that could be great for a retiree looking to to add a little bit of income or maybe a lot of income. Um, the other thing is, yeah, I think I, I read stories in the newspapers with young, young people in their 50s retiring because their, their portfolio is way up, um, which is great it, as long as you've done something to lock in those gains. If not, you may have to come back to work to make ends meet. And and I always worry about these, uh, you know, and, and this is, of course, my own fear speaking, which is, you know, I, I worry about, you know, well, if you retire 
And then you're like, oh, things are great. You haven't locked in those gains. And now you want to come back into the workforce, which sounds good right this second. But if in three months we're in a recession, maybe you won't be able to find the job you want. So I'm always trying to caution people about thinking around the next phase, like maybe you've got this primary career, you did it for 30 or 40 years, that's great. Maybe there's a secondary career for you. I think that in the last three months, I have been inundated with I-bond questions. I talked about it on TV. I never had such a response from a number of people on the staff at CBS News who are like, what are those things again? Do you think there's any chance that the government expands the I-bond program beyond that $10,000 a year limit? I think it would be a great idea. I know there's been some talk about it circulating in Washington. I don't know that there's been any anything kind of proposed yet formally for it. But if we want to encourage more savings, I think that that would be a, a beneficial way to do it. Of course, there's a cost then uh, to the Treasury to, on the budget deficit because we're going to pay a high interest rate on that, for the at least for the short run. But um, I, I've heard chatter about it. I don't know anything about, you know, whether it'll actually happen, but I think it would be a really positive step towards enc- encouraging people to save more. So overall, we're normalizing policy. We are looking at the central bank going to raise rates probably at least one full percentage point before the end of the summer. Do you think that the Fed could go faster? Could they go intra-meeting if things don't get under control? What's your view on that? Well, I think they could. I think it's really doubtful that they will. First of all, I don't think that um, you know inflation is going to skyrocket from here, accelerate from here. We've already built in a lot of the increase that has built up over the last year. But secondly, it would almost send a message of too much urgency, of panic, and I don't think that's the message they want to send. Uh, I think, you know, what the Fed's trying to do is say, look, we've got a plan to deal with this. Here it is. We're going to keep at it until we accomplish it. But we're going to keep at it at a steady pace. I really think those intra-meeting moves are so unusual in this day and age that that would really kind of spark some sort of you know, concern in the markets. Well, that's it. That's the two-part interview with Kathy Jones. I'd bookmark these because I know you're going to want to come back to hear the wisdom that Kathy shed on the fixed income market. JillOnMoney.com. Make sure that you've made it your favorite. That way you can go back and listen to this whenever you want. While you're there, don't forget you can always click on the Contact Us button. Ask a question. Let us know if you want to come on the air. Check out all the good stuff that's there. Sign up for the free weekly newsletter. Everything you would like that is Jill on money lives on that site. Put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. It's going to make that person feel good. It's going to make you feel good. I promise. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 